exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the thing that I go back to the south with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the burning discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day. This will be the day when all God's We land of liberty and the Land of where my fathers died. Land of the children's cry. Of every mountain cry. Let freedom reign in America to be a great nation. This must become true. So let freedom reign. From the forbidden hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom reign. From the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom reign from the hiking alligators of Pennsylvania. Let freedom reign from the snowdown rockets of Colorado. Let freedom reign from the deserts of California. But not only that, let freedom reign from the stone mountains of Georgia. Let freedom reign from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom reign from every hill and lonely hill of Mississippi. When we allow freedom to reign, when we let it reign from every city to every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all the strong children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Muslims and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. He's a powerful speaker, isn't he? <laughs> a world changer, you might say. And on this weekend, when we remember Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., we stand on his legacy. And we evaluate our own time. Because there is not, there is freedom in a way that there wasn't when he spoke. But there is freedom that is yet to be. Right. So I'm grateful for his dedication to his dream and his willingness to sacrifice to any end to make the world a different place. And he challenges us still today, doesn't he? His life and his message through, though many of his dreams have been realized, there is still so much more to do to fulfill his legacy. 
many times our society forgets or pushes aside the fact that Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a preacher. First and foremost, he was a pastor. He was a Christian who was motivated by his faith in Jesus to do what he did, to change the world. And in years past, not so much today, but in the United States, Christianity was kind of thought of as the state religion, even though we have separation of church and state, right? We call, or you have heard, the United States called a Christian nation, right? And by that kind of association between everybody being a Christian in the United States kind of watered down Christianity, in my perspective. And it assumed that if you are an American, the most American American sort of American, right, then you are definitely a Christian. Because to be an American 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 is to be a Christian, right? If you're that kind. Or if you're not that kind, it's clear because the assumption is that you fit in a certain category in that kind of worldview. And according to a reliable source um, that I looked up, 47% of the US population went to church every Sunday in 1960, which is in the midst of this time when Martin Luther King Jr. was out to doing his work. And um, <clears throat> if you count all the people who went to church, not every week, but most weeks, then that's like a major majority of the population. So it's assumed that people are Christians, right? But going to church didn't and doesn't make you a radical for Jesus. But I would say that following Jesus does make you a radical. Do you get that distinction? Following Jesus does make you a radical. Church doesn't make you a radical for Jesus. But following Jesus makes you radical. Martin Luther King Jr. wasn't just a church-going Christian. He was a Jesus follower. And he took seriously what it meant to live a countercultural life. A life like Jesus lived. Um, John is going to read for us scripture from Romans, which I think um, kind of sums up what it means to follow Jesus and to, to live in a way that's that's different than the, the world around us. Living sacrifice and transforms, and transforms lives. So brothers and sisters, because of God's mercies, I encourage you to be present to... Oh, sorry. I'll start from the beginning. So brothers and sisters, because of God's mercies, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. I'm going to read those words again in a little bit of a different translation, just in case you didn't comprehend them the first time. Here's another chance. This is from Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for God. <clears throat> Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, ready to recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Message of Jesus, the way of Jesus is the way of love and justice and compassion. These are countercultural ideas. Countercultural ideas. Dr. King, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., spoke about this countercultural idea and he used the term maladjustment that we should not be adjusted to certain things in our society, that we should not be conformed to certain ideas, that we should not say, oh, well, that's okay, that's just the way it is. And so he's, this is a, um, a video of him, but it cuts off in the middle of his speech, but he says it better than I do, so I'll finish. <laughs> what Modern psychology has a word that is probably used more than any other word in psychology. It is the word maladjusted. It is the ringing cry of modern child psychology, maladjusted. Now, of course, we all want to live a well-adjusted life in order to avoid neurotic and schizophrenic personalities. But as I move toward my conclusion, I would like to say to you today, in a very honest manner, that there are some things in our society and some things in our world which I'm proud to be maladjusted. And I call upon all men of goodwill to be maladjusted to these things until the good societies realize. I must honestly say to you that I never intend to adjust myself to racial segregation and discrimination. I never intend to adjust myself to religious bigotry. I never intend to adjust myself to economic conditions that will take necessities from the many to give luxuries to the few, leave millions of God's children smothering in an airtight cage of poverty in the midst of an affluent society. 
wealth from the masses and rich to the few. I never intend to become adjusted to the madness of militarism and the self-defeating method of physical violence. I call upon you to be maladjusted. The world is in desperate need of maladjustment. <clears throat> Through such maladjustment, we will be able to emerge from the bleak and desolate midnight of man's inhumanity to man into the bright, glittering daybreak of freedom and justice. When we follow the way of Jesus, we are maladjusted to the injustices around us. We don't let someone else define how the world should be. But we dream of it being different than it is. Last week, Alan talked about covenant. The idea of covenanting. And in this um, weeks leading up to January 29th, we are preparing ourselves to covenant, to be a covenanting member for the next year of this community. And um, Alan asked a question to you last week that I'm going to ask again. What would it take to really stay grounded? focused with God at the center this year ahead. What would it really take for you? What changes would you need to make in your life? What new commitments would you need to make? Alan talked about the idea of covenant as a sacred promise between God and a person, or God and a community, built on a relationship. Covenant is built on a relationship, not just an agreement between two random parties, but on relationship. <clears throat> so as part of our covenanting um, ritual on the 29th, we're going to be asking four questions of people who choose to covenant, and I'm going to talk to you about two of them today. And the first one is, will you be faithful in seeking to follow in the way of Jesus, which is the way of love, peace, justice, and compassion? And since none of us can say that with full confidence, all we can say is, I will, with the help of God. Because that the way of Jesus, love, peace, justice, and compassion, is not easy. It is a radical way of life, and it is something we can only do with the help of God. But I think 
Um, when I hear those words in the next few weeks, I will come back to the image of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King and hold him as one of my ideals for how to live in that way. The next um, question is, will you be faithful to Christ and this community through your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? And you've heard those before if you've been here before. Um, but those five categories we feel um, represent a full spirituality, um, prayers, meaning your um, any your personal relationship with God, anything you do to nurture that. Um, your presence, your presence in this community with other people who are following Jesus in the radical way. With your gifts, what you have and who you are that you share that. That you don't say, this is for me, but what I have is for the sake of others. And for your service and what you do in your life, and in this place, wherever you are, and your witness, um, both to your faith and to a just world. So um, we feel like those really represent, if you have something in all of those categories, then you have a full, round, deep faith. So as um, a part of your covenanting process, there's going to be a form for you to personalize. And this is um, the form that says prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. And there are some um, basic ideas on everyone's covenant. But it is for you to personalize and to make it your own. There's a sheet with some examples. And Anyway, I'm not going to get into all of the um, details. You can come following worship today when Alan's going to talk about it. You can come Thursday night to um, life community because last week it was snowed out, so you have another chance um, to find out more about the details of covenanting. But this is just a basic um, overview of what we feel like enables all of us to grow more deeply if we choose to walk in this way. We sometimes make people either monks or prophets, right? People go away into a cloistered life and they spend a lot of time in prayer or they're out there changing the world. But really what we aim to do in this place, and I believe the way of Jesus is a wedding of those two, is a covenanting between personal spirituality and world-changing action. And even Martin Luther King Jr. had a personal spiritual life. We don't have a lot of windows into that because I don't have a lot of windows into yours, right? Unless you share it with me. But we do um, have a story that he recorded in his book, Stride Toward Freedom. And this experience was at a time when he was feeling defeated and at risk and not sure of which way to go in 1956, um, which included fears for his own safety and the safety of his family, which we can all understand would hold most of us back from doing 
what he did. And so on one night in 1956, he was sitting at his kitchen table, and he started praying out loud. Suddenly, he experienced, in his words, the presence of the divine as I had never experienced him before. It seemed as though I could hear the quiet assurance of an inner voice saying, Stand up for righteousness. Stand up for truth and God will be at your side forever. Almost at once my fears began to go. My uncertainty disappeared. I was ready to face anything. That time of centering that making space in his life for him to encounter God and to be assured and directed in the way to go gave him the ability to move forward, to do all the work that was ahead, which was a lot of work. We all need balance in our lives, don't we? We all need space and time to seek the way of Jesus, which is love, peace, justice, and compassion. And we need space and time to seek it so that we can follow it with our lives. So my prayer for myself and for all of us in the year ahead is that we may follow more deeply in the way of Jesus, and that we may follow more deeply so that we might change the world. Amen. Over the last several weeks, we've been <clears throat> praying together this prayer that takes us back really to the beginning of, of the Methodist movement, started by John Wesley almost 300 years ago in England. And he used to pray together often this prayer that he called the Covenant Prayer. And he would encourage uh, communities of faith to pray this, particularly at the beginning of a new year, as a way of, of, of really committing to the path ahead. So we're praying this in different versions. This is someone else's uh, interpretation of John Wesley's Covenant Prayer. I invite you to join me in praying this together. God, I belong to you. All of me to all of you. May there be less of me and more of you every day. Wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm facing, working or unemployed, in prosperity or in pain, when I'm celebrated and when I'm ignored, when all is well and when all comes up empty, when my cup is full, and when my wants are many, I give it all up, Lord. Less of me and more of you. Take it all. And now, God, great one above all and in all and beneath all, Father and Mother, Son and Holy Spirit, I belong to you. 
all of me to all of you. And now what I say with my lips, may I live it fully and deeply, eternally. Amen. When you really pray those words and mean it, that's powerful. That's surrender. That's transformation.